All right, welcome everybody to Yankee Chronicles podcast. I'm Bobby Ryan. You can find me at BobbyTat631 at Twitter. You can also find Yankee Chronicles at Yankee Chronicle on Twitter, as well as on our website, yankeechronicles.com. Joining me today is Robert, Evan, and James. Robert, want to introduce yourself? What's up, guys? This is Rob Barris. You can find me on Twitter at RobB5199. And James? Hey, what's going on? I'm James. You can find me at BlackRebert52. And again with Evan. Evan, you can follow me at EvanDWetzel4 on Twitter. All right, so what we're going to be discussing this week are rules of baseball, old, new, in between, and anything that we decide that we want to make up along the way. Um, one of the big things um, that's supposed to be coming about in the next season is the they're talking about with the National League going back to having uh, the pitchers pitch and hit. They're going to get rid of the DH. They were only going to use it for that one year. Do you think that is detrimental? You know, is is that necessary to preserving the old school baseball? James, being this is your first time with us, we're going to let you give the first opinion. Um, I get where where traditional is coming from because the National League always been designated for pitchers to hit, but. I, but there are other ways to keep their tradition of the old school way by sprinkling new stuff. I do think the National League needs to get with the, with the designated hitter because, as you've seen with teams, it extends careers, it lessens the wear and tear on the bodies. And when you have hitters that are not necessarily good fielders, you have use for the designated hitter. So I think that I get where. Some would say it's fine because the tradition of how baseball was originally brought up that everyone, including the pitcher, hits. But you kind of have to adapt that you can actually keep the tradition while having the designated hitter hit because you can extend careers. Players don't have to retire early. And then you have players that are that don't that don't necessarily hit that you, they can hit well. They don't have to field. All they do is just hit, and then it makes it – that much easier instead of just lose running to use all your bench all the time. Now, do you also feel that one thing that we had brought up on a previous um, one of our earlier episodes was the amount of money being paid to these pitchers? I would prefer having a, a, a universal DH because if I'm investing that type of money into a pitcher, I want them to pitch, I'm not paying them to hit. You agree with that preface? Oh, I agree with that because especially with the Yankees with Garrett Cole, our our job is for him to pitch and have shut down. If he has to play a National League team, like when like when next year when the Yankees play the NL East, there'll be times where Garrett Cole's gonna have to hit. And I don't wanna see yeah. my three hundred and twenty four million dollar hit and like get an injury. Look what happened with Cheng Ming Wong. Cheng Ming Wong was was on the verge of having a solid Yankee career. And yeah. then he got injured, and he was never the same. Yeah, it's a, it's a very small percentage that do have the injuries. Unfortunately, one is always too many. Yeah, Rob, I'll ask you: Do you think that the um, the DH, if they were only using, say, in the National League, they want to keep the the traditional roles? Should they have a universal DH in inter uh, interleague games only? 
I, w- I would say so that could work if they wanted to keep it where the NL only was the uh, having the pitcher sit. I guess that could work, but um, I think all in all, they if they're going to do it, they, they're going to keep it the way it's always been or just keep the universal DH throughout the league. I don't know if too many teams would be, um, be too happy with that, I guess. It's kind of like catering to the American League more because the National League wants because some teams maybe want the pitcher to hit in some cases like look at Madison Bumgarner and he's a good hitter so like they want him but if they have the American League rules come in no matter where they're playing then you might see some national team National League teams uh complain about it yeah Evan your thoughts on the uh universal DH I think it's a must I think it's necessary I think James brought up some good points with Garrett Cole yeah he's a 325 million dollar pitcher Ching-Ming Wan didn't even get that opportunity, and he pitched like he deserved it. So the problem is when you have this, this thing based on tradition, yeah, it's good. But if tradition is getting people hurt, then I'm sorry, you take it out of the game. You know, there should either be a universal DH or, like you mentioned, when there's interleague play, American League pitchers don't hit. Okay, it's just it's that simple because they are not trained to do so and they're not trained to run the bases like that. It's ridiculous. I, I, if Garrett Cole goes down like that, we don't have an insurance policy on him. Yeah, so the next rule that I wanted to bring up was the, um, the three batter minimum um, on the relief pitching. Evan, do you think that's a, an important uh, role? for protection you know to keep the pace of the play going no i don't i think that i was eager to no, answer no, no, that's all right. <laughs> it, it drives me nuts because one it stops you used to have a specialty pitcher who would come in just to get his one batter i had no problem with that i think that's part of the strategy of the game and i think this actually slows it down look at all the gimmick moves they tried to do to speed up the game this year and it didn't work they tried runner on second uh in extra innings and guess what every team scored about 90 percent of the time with that so did it really make the game that much smaller no you still had 14 15 inning games it's, yeah. it's ridiculous it doesn't do much they're trying to micromanage because man shits has this idea in the stupid little head <laughs> that he's gonna fix the game by doing all these little things when no one cares do you think a casual fan's gonna go oh three three batters oh my god i'm gonna watch baseball now no he doesn't care <laughs> yeah no it, it's it's not peas it's not appeasing the the casual fan like you said it's not even getting getting the attention of the traditional fans mm-hmm. you know the diehards like us it lessens the, it lessens the game. It takes away from the com, you know the competitiveness of it. You now, uh, James, you Evan brought up the the runner run on second in the extra innings. You feel that that was a wasted rule because there is no more small ball played in the major leagues. I thought that rule was ridiculous even from the get go because when I saw that rule, it's like first off, you're not speeding the game in fact you're actually making it worse because now pitches are pitch or what they what pitchers normally do now is they some pitchers would intentionally walk a guy onto first place get a double play and then you kind of just squander that or or like evan mentioned runners are still going to score so it's like what was the point of that the game is like 
I get what, what, what Manfred was trying, his initial intent. He wanted to try to speed the game up because he knows that baseball fan, well, the casual fan does not have the attention span to sit through a whole nine inning game. So he thought that rule was a little cute because he's seen it independently. But it backfires because teams are still scoring at a high rate. So that rule made no sense. In fact, the, like, the games were even longer. They yeah. were longer. So, so basically, you put a rule in for nothing. <laughs> yeah, it, it was such a waste of time. It, it, it really it did not help the game at all. You know, I have, you know, there's no study for it, but it would not surprise me if most fans, when it got to extra innings, just turned it off and said, I'll catch the recap, you know, because they did not want to see it. You know, it's almost like you know the the the, uh, the intentional walk. You know, you, you especially because I watch. You know, I listen to it while I'm working at night, and you hear a batter come up. You hear the name being announced, and then there's another guy. You know, and if you're not <laughs> listening closely enough, you're going, well, what what I miss? You know, and you're like, oh, did the app skip? You know, is there a bag? <laughs> you know, so it becomes very confusing. Yeah. I do have an idea, though. I do have an idea. See, baseball has this problem where they're trying to get casual fans in. So I want to bring this to the table for everybody. Yeah. You know how this is now a social media age where you look at the NFL, you see someone make a great play. It's already on social media. Same thing with the NBA. A guy makes an insane block, and you, you see it on Twitter like in two seconds. How about have baseball for every play that's being made you know, you put it on, you use MLB, you use your app, you put it on, you put it on Twitter immediately so people could see, so people could be like, oh my God, did you see that play? And the West Coast games, like Mike Trout's the best player in the game. Instead of playing like these 10, 15, 10, 30 games, move the games up to like 9.30. So this yeah. way people could still have a chance to see Mike Trout. His highlights will still be on, on, on Twitter and all the social media platforms. And you'll still get fans to come in because now baseball's average fan is over 50 years old. And if you use social media to your advantage, you're able to draw people to why baseball is truly America's pastime. Yeah. So uh, it's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah. it's – the younger fans do not get the opportunity to see. Baseball does a very poor job. And, Rob, I'll ask this question to you. What do you think that MLB can do if there was one thing to make sure that all, all ages, all time zones get to enjoy the game the way that they want? Like, with, you know, football has, you know, no matter what time zone they're playing and they have – those specific game times. Is that something that MLB can adopt? So, you know, the, the, a casual fan that, you know, unlo- you know, not like us, we'll, we'll, we're up till three in the morning to watch see the final. You know, we're nuts. But the casual fan is like, you know, I, I really got to get to work. I, I know I want, I, Mike Trout might be coming up, you know, and they just wait for the highlight. What do you think MLB can do to bridge that? Um, well, I mean, in some cases, like the Cubs, like they always seem to play during the day and it's very rare that they have yeah. a night game. Um, they could definitely try something like that. Like what the NFL has, you know, where they have certain games in the time slot. I think the only 
thing that would make it a little difficult because there's all there's so many games every day so it might be difficult to try to do that for you know seven days a week to get a whole bunch of games in a certain time slot but you know like James mentioned earlier just move some of the games up if you have to have a later game because of the west coast just move it up a little bit make make it eight o'clock eastern time instead of ten this way some people are still going to stay up for the majority of the game if you're trying to speed it up a little bit, yeah. you'll be able to catch, even, you know, the first six innings before you say, okay, I really have to go to sleep. Or you, if you're going to stay up, you'll, the latest you'll be staying up till is maybe 1130 midnight instead of, you know, two, three in the morning. So yeah. and just, even if it's as simple as moving it up a few hours, like James mentioned, then yeah, that, that could be a, that could mean a world of difference to get more viewers on those uh, West coast games. Now, an idea that popped into my head that I think could work as far as with MLB promoting properly, should MLB adapt almost like a red zone where when there's a runner in scoring position or, you know, where you can almost have like that red zone experience where you can watch multiple, you know, games at once where they'll, they'll flash from game to game as the pitches are being thrown. I know baseball is a little different than football. It might not be just as easily logistically as the NFL. But if you've got something else that can be attempted. Evan, what do you think? Yeah, I think think that's one of the main issues is that the accessibility for baseball is very limited when you consider how much media attention – and TV viewership there is for NBA and football. I mean, it's not even close. We have Major League Baseball Network, and that is it. And we have extra innings if you want to watch the other games. Well, in football, you basically, on Sunday, are getting three or four games at one. You're getting red zone. You're getting the four o'clock games at least two. And you're getting the primetime 8 p.m. game. Well, baseball doesn't do that. They just throw all their games into one day and say, okay, watch. Go figure it out. Um, And that's an issue because, like you said, like James was mentioning about social media, part of the fun in being a baseball fan now, something we didn't have 20 years ago, is that we get to talk every day. We get to build this community on Twitter where we're friends and we care about the same thing for our team yeah. and we're discussing it. So we now feel involved in that team, right? Well, that's, that's what you need to do to get the youth. You need to get them more involved in the, in the process. And I think when – when fans become fans, it's usually when they're either younger or it's because they're already old and they've done it for years. So part of the issue with baseball is it's kind of an expensive sport, just like ice hockey, which is why the youth playing it. You can just get a basketball and go play basketball. So the hopes and dreams that inspire the youth are much bigger for NFL and for basketball. Whereas you have a player like Aaron judge, who's going to get his first contract at 31. You don't think the kids look at that and go, Oh my God, if I go to basketball, I'll get it at 18 instead of 31. That's a big deal. That's an excellent point. Very good point. Kyler Murray's an example, guys. Kyler Murray is a, a perfect example. He was a, he was he was not only was he great at football, he was good at baseball, but he decided to take NFL because of the money. That's another problem that baseball has to worry about is that how can you fast track these guys up there to make sure their their money is guaranteed? That's another issue. Because they're not looking at the $100 million contract. They're looking at their first million dollar contract. Yeah, yeah. There's a big difference. You know, yeah. you can wait for that hundred million, but waiting for 
five million when your whole family's starving and is your only one in the family who has an opportunity to do so, you're going to take that contract. And that's why Connor went football because he knew he had a guarantee to be successful, and he is. And you know, if you look at some of the uh, other things about the contracts, there's the whole service time thing. You know, you have teams mm-hmm. always manipulating that so players can't get that extra year of service time, so it uh, slows down arbitration and all that. So yeah, it's definitely. Uh, something you know um, for younger people to get into the sport money definitely has a big thing to do with it yeah you know that maybe they should be you know they could rework how the how the salaries are paid depending on you know not so much if you're you know where you are in the minor leagues where if you're on that 40-man roster you automatically get a a certain bonus of some Mm -hmm. sort you know just to kind of look we may call you up we may not but if you're going to be, you know, you worked hard to get to this spot, you, you know, throw them a bone once, you know, give them, you know, what, what is it called? You know, the teams have so much money, you know, this year aside, you know, and what they lost is really, all they lost was the, the, the ticket sales, merchandise was still being bought, you know, there was online shopping, even though the stores were all closed, you know, they were still they still got their TV money. They got their you know, with the expanded playoffs, they got their postseason money. Mm-hmm. So when you really step back and you think about it, aside from the fans in the stands, that's all they lost. And they can get that back, you know, once the stadiums reopen. It will not take long for them to recoup that money. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Very quickly, like you're you're talking you're 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 talking about about teams that lost money, like the Yankees claim they lost money. But once you open the gate, they'll, that money will come back, even if it's twenty five or thirty five or forty percent capacity. They'll make that money back, like yep. like because yes, MLB the gate is accounts for the revenue. But I guarantee you, once the, once the once the stadiums are open and we're able to go to games, you'll you'll see in about two to like at least two to three weeks they'll, they'll make that money back yeah. they're gonna make more money than they normally would i think because people are gonna be crazy for their chicken buckets and stuff they're gonna be yeah. buying- <laughs> <laughs> that chicken bucket's gonna be crazy on that crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no chicken buckets Oof. people aren't gonna care about the price this time no no one's gonna care because all we're gonna care about is we're finally going to a sporting think about it guys we have not gone to a sporting event in months because yeah, of this right. pandemic. And going to a sporting event, you think people are going to care about paying like $75 a ticket? No one's going to care. No, no. not at all. It's no, our I, life. Don't, I don't go to many games during the year. If I get to one or two, just because of my schedule and, and family obligations. But I'll be definitely, now that, you know, after what happened this year, I you know, I'm going to be one of those – I'm going to make sure I get to those extra couple of games, you know, and just enjoy it the way it was supposed to be enjoyed, which was watching it live. You mm-hmm. know, and I think that will also help with yeah. the younger generation. I, I, absolutely. Seeing it live is so much different. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's, you know, when you first come, you know, when you first walk in and you see, you know, all the, the, the commemorative stuff in Yankee Stadium, and then when you walk, when you see the grass and the, it's you know even at our age, as many games as we've gone to in our lives, 
it's still breathtaking. 100%. And one point I want to make real quick is with Major League Baseball and, and baseball parks, we have the most unique layouts because every stadium is built for the team. You yeah. don't have that in other sports. Maybe the Dallas Cowboys have their own stadium, but it's not as much a part of the experience as it is for baseball. So as a child, when you walk through those gates to see Yankee Stadium or whatever it is for the first time, that's an experience you're going to remember for the rest yep. of your life. I, I, I totally agree. And that's what makes baseball such a unique sport. It's, it's, it's a family atmosphere. It's like going to a game before pandemic, before pre-pandemic times. It was easy. It was affordable. It was fun to go to. You had a good time. You're able to talk to your friends. You're able to talk to your family yeah. members. You're just soaking that atmosphere. That's what kind of made all of us fall in love with baseball. You know, all of us – Love with baseball, especially us, us, all of us being Yankee fans, is just the the pageantry, the history. You get to teach your kids the history of what, why you, why you're a fan of your team, and just yeah. baseball other than any other sport. Like you, you can't say it about basketball or hockey or football because they're more action. Whereas baseball is like there's a pristine about there, there. There's something that makes baseball special, and that's why baseball is still the heartbeat. Of American sports, yeah, you know, and it's also you know falls on the on the shoulders of the communities, you know, in upkeeping baseball fields, making you know making sure that the uh, all the little leagues are are funded properly and ran properly, you know, where it'll keep the kids' interest. I think a lot of times, because there are so many, you know, competitive leagues and travel leagues and all these different, they're all competitive, where the kids forget that it's fun. You know, they're, they're forced to, you know, well, I got to make this travel team, and if I don't make it, you know, it, it's the end of the world because my dad's going to be upset because I didn't practice hard enough. Yeah, no, it's just have fun. It's a game. Above all, it's just a game. You know, you don't see pickup. I was, you know, discussing with, with Marjorie Adams on uh, on our previous episode. I was I was talking to her off screen, and we were talking about how we fell in love with the game. You know, and going on the street, knocking on your neighbor's door, you know, with either a stickball bat or a wiffle ball bat, you know, or even just a ball to just throw, you know, have a catch. You know, and who could throw it the furthest down the street? Mm -hmm. you, just don't, you don't see that anymore in the neighborhoods, you know. And I think that's something that only our, gen our generation is responsible to make sure that we keep that going. I agree. I agree. And, then, and that falls on all of us, guys, because all of us here that love the game of baseball, I think we need to pass it down to the next generation and keep that generation going because that's what makes baseball such a unique sport. That's what makes baseball America's pastime. It's just when you go out there, you smell that fresh grass and a nice yeah. spring, spring day, and you just and you hear the sound of ball hitting bat. It's just it's just something beautiful to see. And we need to keep that going, guys. Yeah. Rob, what do you think? Yeah, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I go back to what happened earlier this year with Tatis. You know, like everyone was getting angry when he uh, when he hit the grand slam, swing yeah. at the 3-0 pitch. It's like things like that. And 
you know, like you say you're supposed to have fun when you're playing the game. Well, yeah. he is he's the definition of having fun. Like the guy just wants like that whole Padres team, as much as I love the Yankees, I can't help but watch them play too, because they, uh, they have a great time when they're playing. But, yeah, they had fun, fun this year. Yeah, and that's what we need to see more of. But you have, you know, the man, his own manager saying something about it and then him having to apologize and little things like that, like the unwritten rules of baseball that people like to bring up all the time, which I think is dumb. You know, like if we're going to get a younger generation into the sport, show them things like that. You know, show them a guy like Tatis, a lot of, you know, a lot of these, you know, Latin players coming over here and having a ton of success over here in the major leagues, it's going to make a lot of people want to play and get them a whole uh, – I don't even know the word I want to say, but get a whole bunch of people to watch a sport that may not have watched it before and, you know, just enjoy the game. Yeah. And I, I love watching Tatis play. I love yeah. watching that Padres team. There's a whole – but even the Marlins, they are a young team, a lot of the young Marlins players. The Marlins were very fun to watch this year. Oh, they, are, they, they were very fun. <laughs> they were fun. They, I enjoyed that. <laughs> you know, even with even the way they you know they stumbled out of the gate with all the COVID issues, they still they just they played to they played as a team. It wasn't about well I'm getting you know I play this position so I have more clout than you know than the other or you know I'm the hot pitcher of the moment. You know they were just really they just they were had such a camaraderie, and it carried them through that whole season and took baseball by surprise. Yeah. They even won a playoff series. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you Rob, you brought up with the with, with Tatis and it, it made me think of one of those unwritten rules with you know I'm sorry. I don't buy that. There is no clock in baseball. There is no there's no rule that says, well we have a ten run lead. You know, there's no mercy rule. You know, this isn't backyard baseball. There's no mercy rule. Nothing stopping the other team from coming back. We've mm-hmm. seen it multiple times. Oh, yeah. Many, many times, teams having massive comebacks. You know, so if the clock is still going, you keep scoring. Yeah. You keep scoring until that 27th out. You know, you keep trying to prevent the team from scoring until there's 27 outs. That's what that's what's great about baseball. There's 27 outs. There's no clock. You have to throw the pitch. Anything there's no taking a knee to run out the clock. Yeah. Oh yeah. You have to oh, make absolutely. the play. I also. Got, no, go ahead, James. Sorry. You guys remember the Yankees were down nine nothing against Boston and they came back yep. and won. Yep. I it, turned it, it, it off in the car. I was going to a family party. I turned it off. I said to my wife, I'm like, I can't listen to this. I, I'm going to be cranky by the time I get to the party. And then next thing you know, she just happens to turn it back on, and they were winning. <laughs> I've never stopped watching. I've never turned off a game since. I w- I'll, I'll step away for a minute, but I will not change the channel on TV or the radio. I keep it going. That's that's what makes baseball such a great sport. Yeah. It's just that, like you, you see in football. Okay, we gotta bleed the clock, take a knee. Hockey, let's just hold on to the puck and win. Basketball, let, let's just dribble at the shot clock. In baseball, yeah. not you have you have no choice. You don't throw a pitch. You know it's gonna be a balk. It's gonna be you know you, there's rules, and then you're gonna for you're gonna you're gonna force in runs. You you have to pitch, and you have to pitch until that last out is made. So that is why 
baseball is a sport where it's easy to get into and it's fun. And when Texas workers was playing that Tatis hit a grand slam, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep scoring runs yep. until I can't score any more runs. Until I can't score any more runs. If I got to put a 30 spot on you, I'm going to put a 30 spot on you. Yeah, I agree. I think there's more risk in baseball than any of the other sports. Like you said, you can't have that play that runs out the clock. You either go for it or you get messed up. And I think part of the issue for the youth and part of the reason why they don't watch it is because a lot of baseball doesn't really have a personality. When you look at NFL or NBA, a lot of these guys, their social media accounts are more popping than they are in baseball. So when you have a guy like Tatis finally show flair, finally show swag, and they basically don't encourage it, is mind-boggling. Yeah. How many times do we talk about in basketball – people's style, the way Russell Westbrook dresses and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's part of the game that fans in their youth care about. They want to know what shoes to wear. They want to know how to be cool. Well, you don't get that in baseball because the best player, Mike Trout's on a team that no one wants to watch at a time that no one can watch, and there's Mm -hmm. no in-between. That's why Bryce Harper is such a huge asset and why he got $300 million because he's more marketable than Trout. He's not a better player, but he's more marketable. Yeah, especially on the East Coast. Yeah, you know he's mm-hmm. more accessible, you know, which is why it it really pains pains me that Trout signed that big contract, and I respect him that he was loyal to the team that made him who he was, you know, that really you know put him on the mat, but it really is a disservice to baseball that you know going back you know we're going to repeat this a few more times I'm sure, of the time zones they have to be adjusted, even oh, if it's wow. just on the weekends. Yeah. Even if you make the weekend games where all the families are home, you know, and they want to go to an afternoon at the ballpark, you know, have the, the one o'clock or four o'clock and eight o'clock schedules like they do in other sports. I think that is something that baseball can do. Yeah. I also think that the draft is a big liability for baseball. There are 70 rounds. No one watches it. And you have the other two sports where people care deeply about the draft. It's like a whole other experience. Even hockey is a good draft. Go ahead. I think the problem with the draft, the problem with the draft, I'll I'll let you speak in a second, James. The problem with the draft is these players are drafted, but then you don't see them for five years. Yeah. Other sports, you're seeing them right away. You know, the number one overall pick, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to play in the very first game of the next year. We know that. You know, I'm sorry, I don't know any basketball players, but whoever was picked overall, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be in that lineup that first night. There's no Absolutely. more leagues. Absolutely. Like, you know, like so maybe yeah. what MLB needs to do, on top of having like a red zone channel, maybe they should start televising the triple A games and have a minor league channel. Thank you. Thank Yep. Somebody finally said, thanks. I, I was waiting, Bobby. I was waiting for you to finally say, I have been seeing. I can go to Hudson Valley Renegades. The Hudson Valley Renegades is up. Is Yankees finally yeah. own that. I like, why don't the, why don't they broadcast that? The Yankees own that. It's up, it's up the road in New York. Yankees also got the Somerset Patriots. They can do that. But to add on to Evan's point, you know what the NBA did? They know that LeBron James on the West Coast, you notice they put their games from 1030 to 930. That's what they did that. That's why the NBA's ratings took a minor boost because before, when LeBron was on the East Coast, the Laker games were at 10.30. When LeBron went to L.A., what they did was they adjusted the games. They realized, oh, wait, 
we're losing ratings in this first half. Like, I wonder why. Like, wait, look, our best players in the West Coast and no one's in the East Coast going to see them. So let's adjust it to 930 and see what happens. And guess what? Right? Like, people are able to see – people stay up to see LeBron. Like, yep. what you got to do is you got to make things accessible to fans, and especially with football, like with baseball. Like you said, you have a draft. But we and Yankees drafted Austin Wells. We're not going to see Austin Wells for probably three to four years. We're not going to see even if he. That's even if he stays. If he's not traded, exactly. Exactly. That's the other problem is the fans. I think the fans put too much pressure on the organizations for that that right now moment. You know, we're we're not patient anymore. We don't want to see the development. You're if you if you're not developing fast enough, trade them. You know, That's and true. these guys are getting rushed through. You know, and they're not able to really work on their craft because when you're going from from A ball to Triple A, that's a big jump in competition. You know, and then it's a bigger jump going into the minor to the major leagues, and it takes time for these kids to adapt to it. It's not so much adjusting, it's the adapting. It's the lifestyle, it's the travel. You know, it's the media. You know, these kids are not used to the media attention. So that goes back to what I was saying with having the minor league games televised. It'll get these kids to mature a little bit. You know, be a little more comfortable with the media and with themselves and, and be more focused. I think that's something that baseball definitely needs to address. I totally agree. I definitely agree with that. And I want to ask you guys, I know we didn't touch on this, but the biggest thing about baseball is analytics. So I want to get you, I want to ask about analytics. So this is a big topic of discussion. Yeah. What about analytics now in the game? I hate them. I think they're too, they use too much. It's, and that's an, uh, a, I think that's part of the reason why we don't have the youth that we do. These kids think they need to be mathematician. You know, they need to be Einstein to figure out what all these stats are. You know, and every time you get used to one stat, now that stat doesn't matter anymore. You know, so these kids, they, they're not able to really grasp what these announcers are talking about. So they turn it off. I think that's yeah. the problem with the analytics. It's too too driven into the heads and they don't know they there's no feel for the game anymore there's you know everybody's got their book they don't stray from their book some teams it works for some teams it doesn't i'm not saying that they're all bad but they really need to scale it back just a little bit because that's what i never even paid attention to them the only stat i care about how many times did you score how many Runs did you bring in? How many times did you get on base? Those are the three I, I look at on offense. You know, for the pitches, how many strike? What's your strikeout to walk ratio? Everything else, I don't really care about. I don't care what your ERA is because it's not like these guys are going nine innings. So <laughs> that stat is pretty much null and void. You know. The, the war is the trickiest one because nobody can even tell you what hit. They don't even tell you how they calculate half of this stuff. Well, because war is supposed to be an index that people overuse all the time. Yeah. If you use it just to show the basic 
parameters of the story, then it's okay. But if you try to go to every stat to show why someone's good or bad, yeah. you're going to get a mixed batch because every player is going to have both good and bad stats. So you're right. It becomes too analytical and you're not watching the game because you're focused on, oh, well, he didn't do it right here and he didn't do it right here. Who cares? If you're scoring the runs and you're winning the game, you're correct. Yeah. Go back to ERA, though. It, for me, I look at ERA and I look at um, run support for the pitcher. So a pitcher like Herman gave up four runs in a nine-inning game on average and got seven runs of support, basically which is why he won 18 games. I don't think people look into that and go, oh, he won 18 games, he's amazing. He was good, and I think he's going to be better going forward, but he had an issue because of that ERA. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you brought up that, the, the run support stat. That, don't, you know, that can be a vital stat. You know, but that can't be everything you look at. you got to watch. you got to look up from the book and watch the game. You know, yeah. That's the problem. They're too, I, are too focused on those books. There was um, something I saw from a few years ago from Fox with uh, Pete Rose, Frank Thomas, and Alex Rodriguez, where Pete Rose was just giving a very basic like way that he used to hit. And he said he never changed his swing. He just would kind of change. like The basic swing would stay the same, but he would, he would show how he would adjust to hit it to left field, to center field, to right field. It was very simple and to the point. Nowadays, they're talking about the launch angle and, you know, like you need to swing at a certain certain angle, the way, whatever, things they need to talk about, exit velocity and all that. I don't care. As long as you get on base, that's all we need to care about. There is a time and place for analytics, and there's also a time that needs to get out of the way. Like Yankees in, in general, I think, rely on it way too much. It's helped them in the past with finding certain players. We've talked about that before, but in other cases, it's way overused. And it certainly, you know, like you said, younger, younger people wanted to get into the sport. Like, what the heck's a launch angle? You know, what is war? What is WRC plus? Like, what are these things? You know, because when you look at basketball, you'll see, oh, how many points is the average? Which is three-point percentage? Which is rebound percentage or total? It's simple. Yeah, very simple. And, and it's the same way in football. And even in hockey, it's kind of simple. Yeah. But in baseball, there's a whole bunch of different advanced analytics that just confuse people. Yeah, and, uh, and what, what makes football as simple is like, okay, you're a quarterback. How much yards you throw, touchdown-interception ratio, bam. Receiver, how many catches, how much yards you get after catch, and how many yards you got in total done. With baseball, it's just so complicated and so convoluted that it's like, why would a young player be like, wait, why would I play a sport where I got to know this, 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 that? I just don't want to play because I want to hit the ball and get on base. And right. you look at the Yankees, look what happened in game two. The Yankees got a one nothing lead. They, they want to be cute. They thought, okay, you know, we can trick the Rays, who, by the way, are the most analytical team in baseball, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays are, they trying to out-raise the Rays, you think the Rays were quaking in their boots of Jay nope. Happ? Really? <laughs> they were quaking in their boots for Jay Happ? What I would have, if you're good, like, if you're going to start Jay Happ, then start Jay Happ. If you're going to let the kid pitch, let the kid pitch. Let him learn. Let him grow. But instead, you pull the okie doke and try to trick the Rays because your book says, well, if we can slip their lineup, we'd have a better chance. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. And it caught it, that, that game too cost the Yankees a series. I truly believe that. It cost them the series. 
100%. And nobody afterwards even says, you know what? We messed up. No, they, they kept trying to defend that. They doubled down. There they was doubled no and tripled down. Yeah. Okay. Oh you, 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 you just lost the... The respect of half the fan base. If you made a mistake, make the mistake. Own it. You screwed up. I think the biggest issue, too, with the mistake that they made is that they thought no one saw that move coming. We several, all saw it. <laughs> several of us talked about it on Twitter saying, what if they do Davy Garcia and Hap? We talked about it weeks before. So I'm sorry. If me, diehard fan, can figure out that nonsense, you think Tampa Bay doesn't know what's going on? They had everything – going on for them, and they knew what the Yankees were going to do, and they used it against us, and that's why we lost. So it is. Did, these managers and these GMs the that – Rob? Who did Tampa play in the first round? Because didn't that team do the exact same thing that we did? Toronto. Did, Toronto. Yeah, didn't Toronto try that in one of their yep, games? and they failed. And it, failed. And it didn't and, work. So, and the Yankees tried to get cute, like James said. They tried to pull the okey-doke, and, it, like, no one's shaking in fear for Jay Happ, like James said. You're not going to be like, here comes Jay Happ throwing 92 with a little movement. We're, we're scared now. Ooh. You got like, Rose Arena hitting bombs the whole time. Like, it just – it was a dumb move. We talked about it almost every episode, I think. And I don't think we're ever going to get over it because it was no. just so stupid. No. No. no he throws 92, guys. 92. And in baseball, if you're throwing 92 and the ball ain't moving, guess what? It's a lame duck pitch. You know it. I know it. Everyone here – in this convo knows that everyone here knew. We even talked about, everyone here talked about on Twitter. My biggest fear was, and I even tweeted, I remember this, was like, yep. I hope the Yankees don't do some BS move with Garcia. And and if I, our average Joe, could see it, you don't yep. think Tampa Bay, a team that has mm, maybe back. 55 analytic nerds, saw that coming? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was ter- it was a terrible decision, and it's going to live on yeah. forever because it's it's a big what could have been had we just stuck with one guy. Yeah, yeah. What, what? I, sorry, go ahead, Rob. No, go ahead, Evan. I was also going to say that analytics drives me nuts because look at some of the players we've gotten without even using analytics. We didn't use analytics for D.D. Gregorius when we traded for him. Yep. We saw potential, and we developed that potential. It's same thing with DJ Lemayhew. We knew what he was in Colorado. He came here and did it, did it even better. He's a contact hitter. You don't need analytics to see if a contact hitter is going to remain a contact hitter. You know, even Luke Voigt, you know, Urshela. These weren't, you know, these weren't stat-driven moves. You, you developed these guys into something. That's what you Urshela, did. Urshela was picked because of his defense. Yeah, it was deep. But – even you know Joe Schmo can watch him watch him on the field, not looking at the book. Watch him on the field and know there's something special about this kid. Right, and yet advanced analytics show in some aspects that he's not very good third baseman. No, well that's why he didn't get the Gold Glove because in that WRC plus bad mm-hmm. whatever it was showed him in the bottom of the league. And also, you know, like, and, are they watching this kid play? And you know what's funny? When you talk about analytics backfiring, the Rays did the exact same thing. <laughs> and they, they, but their difference was that, okay, Snell was pitching. You would think 
that, okay, your pitcher is cruising. The top three hitters on the Dodgers yeah. were 0 for 6 with six strikeouts. When the Dodgers saw that Kevin Cash removed Blake Snell, they were jumping in joy. They were literally jumping in joy. They looked at the play next step and went, we got this. And it's crazy because – Kevin Cash said, well, the numbers said that after this, we have to take him out. Well, how about the numbers? How about you use new numbers? This guy is cruising, <laughs> and when he starts to raver, then you take him out. That's what you do. Yeah. That's, when you, that's when you go batter by batter. Right. Did, could, you imagine, could you guys imagine if the Yankees did that to Cole? Could you oh, forget imagine? it. We'd be running him at – Boone would have to move. I think Twitter would be on fire somehow. <laughs> We'd all be blocked. <laughs> Remember when Tori tried to take out Mike Messina and he said oh. no? That was I did want to say. Um, that's what baseball Tori. needs. They need Messina. They need that that grinder that's just gonna. No, I'm not done yet. Get back in the dugout. And that was CC Sabathia too. Yeah. DC was the exact same thing. Yeah, he was a he warrior. Was, he had, yep. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, it's such a joke. It really is. That's what baseball needs, guys. We need players that – pitchers that have that listen. I Screw the numbers. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to be out when I say it's over. That's what we need. You know, another thing is with the, the, the pitcher's velocity. Who can, you know, he could throw 115 miles an hour. If he has no control over it, what good is he? Mm-hmm. I'd rather have a guy that could throw, not like if Hat. If Hat was able to put the bat, put the ball the, right into the catcher's glove, that's it. You know, you don't need everybody throwing 100 miles an hour because now it's not special anymore. Yeah, so, there was a- when, when, we were, when we watched Randy Johnson, it was oh my god! Like we had never seen that before. This is amazing. Now it's like oh yeah. Well, he only throws he only throws a hundred, you know. And it's it's such a hundred with movement. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, Randy Johnson was just he he was one of those guys. He pitched in a way that nobody's seen before. That's what made him. As good as as great as he was, he threw a ninety-four mile an hour slider, one of the greatest sliders we've yep. ever seen in the history of the game, and he murdered a bird with it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> God, God. you know what's crazy? Like, because got because young pitchers are learning how to throw. It's the pitch. pitch, and that's the problem. Pitchers need to know how to pitch. It's location. Why do you think like Tom Glavin and like? And like and John and like they stay in the game longer, like way longer than they did because they knew how to pitch and they knew how to locate. If I could throw an eighty-eight changeup and you're not hitting that and I'm locating it, then I'll get you know another example. You know, two examples is CC Sabathia, the way he was able to adapt to to his arm, not being able to you know he didn't have the uh, heat anymore, but he adapted and you know sometimes he was you know. Certain times of the year work better than others, but also Bartolo Colon. Oh, yeah. He's another one. His the catcher barely has to move when he pitches, you know. And these hitters now are so used to a hundred with with Cologne throwing in the eighties, they don't have a chance. 
I mean, look at the success Tim Wakefield and R.A. Dickey had. R.A. Oh, Dickey was a very God. mediocre pitcher before he learned how to throw the knuckleball. Then yeah. he gets Cy Young and his career ends because he gets traded to Toronto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you even look at uh, Andy Pettit late in his career. Yep. You know, Andy Pettit was able to extend his career a few extra years because he pretty much learned the cutter knowing I don't have the velocity anymore, but I need to have some movement. So he had a good curveball. He had a good, you know, he had his good secondary pitches. He had to add some movement to his fastball. And that's what CC did as well. You know, he learned from Pettit. And Man. nowadays with analytics, they're trying to do that with guys who can throw 95 plus and also locate. Look at James Paxton. I bring that up a lot. They, they try to get Paxton to throw a pitch he wasn't used to instead yep. of just throwing what works. And that's what analytics does. Uh, in, in the game they don't they take away from what the pitcher does well Sonny Gray's the prime example he was very good with Oakland comes to us has a good first year and then they try to get him to do too much and he just wasn't used to it he goes to Cincinnati yeah. they throw what works for you and he's a Cy Young type pitcher right now it's just, well that also attributes to injury because you're throwing you know you're changing the grip on, on the ball to something you've never thrown before or maybe once in a great while, you know, after a long at bat, you might throw something a little different. Mm -hmm. So now you're, you're having this new grit, which is changing the motion in your arm, and you're tearing everything. You know, so if you're not going to teach it to them in, the, in the, the early years of their career, then you don't add it to them unless they do it themselves. That's why I love Debbie. Because at least Devi is actually a pitcher, and you learn from Pedro. And I think that kid has potential. He doesn't throw hard, but if he can learn how to locate more and develop another secondary pitch, that's going to be a very good pitcher. Because he's, he, he's a throwback classic pitcher. I mean, look at Pedro. Pedro, Pedro never, Pedro wasn't a flamethrower like that, but he what made Pedro so deadly is that he was able to locate, and occasionally he will blow a 97 mile an hour by you. He was consistently inconsistent, so it was really hard as a hitter to know what the hell Pedro was about to do, yeah. which is why I think Debbie's going to be good because he also has that nasty curve uh, yeah. that changes speeds pretty well. Yeah. All right, we're going to close it up with one final thought, and that's on the shift. Um, James, do you think the shift is helping or hurting the game? I think – it's hard to say, but I think you can. Yes, well, no. Um, I think with the shift, um, the thing with the shift is the shift can work, but the problem with it is I think that the problem is that like hitters are not learning how to go against the shift. The problem with hitters is like they they're not they're thinking too much and they keep hitting to the shift. One of the things that makes a hitter grade is able to adapt if they know that they're shifting you to like the right then hit it the other way like i never this is what matters to me mark Teixeira could easily have a higher on base percentage if Perfect he just bunt, if he just bunt if he bunts like remember how mark Teixeira would always get in those cold slumps and it always just maddening is and then they're shifting and i'm just like just bunt the ball. You get a free base. It's a free base. Yep. Like, my thing is, if you want to eliminate the shift, hitters learn just bunt or bunt or hit away from the shift, and then you'll and then people just play straight up regular defense. That's what you uh, Rob? I agree with everything James just said. Um, I even go back to, remember, 
I know he's not very popular right now, but Robinson Cano, he did it one year in Boston and got a double out of it. If they're not playing you there, hit it there. Even if it's a bunt, who cares if it's not flashy? If you're on base, you have a better chance to score. And that's the whole name of the game is to score runs and outscore your opponent and try to win. So if even a guy like Greg Bird, they would shift him. You know, why didn't he bunt more? Why didn't Teixeira do it? If you're, if you're seeing the whole entire infield shaded to the right, just tap it to the left side. The only person that can really get it is either the catcher or it's the pitcher if, if it's hit slow enough. But if it's a fast moving ball, you're going to get it down the line and at least get on first base. So, I mean, if you can adapt to it, do it. I don't think they're going to kill it as much as they want to. Just batters need to adapt to it, I think. Evan, your thoughts on it? I think the shift in moderation can be interesting, but as a, from a fan perspective, it gets so boring to know your player's coming up and he's probably going to hit into the shift. It, it's like the Robert, uh, Rob and uh, James said, why are we not teaching them how to play against it? Yeah. You know, like if, if, if we're teaching pitchers how to hit even slightly, we should take the time to teach – a mediocre first baseman, how to bunt the ball down the third baseline if that's where the shift is. No, it's, it's really not that hard to do that. And I know that when I played baseball, one of the first things that our coaches worked on with us was bunting. We all knew how to bunt. Everyone on the team knew how to bunt and used it when we needed to. It's a very fundamental, important part of the game that is never used unless it's the National League, and it's very frustrating. Yeah, well, that ties into with the analytics. You know, you, you don't give up and out. That's bad. Even a sack fly. It could be a game-winning sack, you know, sack fly. And they'd be like, no, you know, it's overrated. You know, we see that on Twitter all the time. Everybody's tweeting, oh, it's overrated. You know, which is more of a joke, you know, because they're not serious about it. You know, they just got to put the book down and, and start going back to the basics of the game. You know, and – really just go old school, you know, move runners over, you know, go against the, you know, if you see that there's 15 guys on one side of the field, well, put the ball in play on the other side. You know, I think what they can do is every team, every sport adapts to create offense because the offense is what excites the fans. So if they want to continue to have the shift, here would be my plan. Women, how many, how much you can shift? You, know, uh-huh. you don't need your third baseman playing behind the first baseman. He doesn't belong there. That's dumb. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you don't need two first basemen. You know, it, it's, it's the extreme shifts, I think, is what they need to stop doing. You want to shift everybody within 10, 15 feet? That's fine. But these extreme overshifts, I think right, right. that's what's hurting the game. That's kill, you know. It's I know you really you know. It's it's hard. It's so hard to 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 say you have to give the team another chance, other uh, uh, a chance to score because that's not sports. Yeah, I agree. Scoring uh, is entertaining for the fans, but that they're not they're in it for the competition. You know, they're not here to be a, you know to just appease us. You know. We'll be appeased when they're winning, not because they're you know they're giving it up you know per se. Right. So right. It's something that really needs to, they need to really get and 
kind of hypocritical. I think they need to look in the books and see where, you know, the extreme shifts, how much are they losing on the, you know, you know, how much does that kill the interest in the game? I think you made an interesting point that you should limit the amount that you can use a shift, maybe limited in in an inning or limited in the game. If you're going to do the three batter minimum rule, then I don't see why you can't implement this. This is less ridiculous than that one. I agree. (laughs) It's not banning it all together. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're just making it where everybody's still playing their position. Yeah, like, that's it. The third sure. base not should not be on the other side of second base. It's it's dumb. It's it it really. It, I have no interest in seeing it. Right, and that should be considered offsides, like it is in football. The singer <laughs> can't be like, uh, guys, I'm gonna stand on this other side of. <laughs> that cool? Because it gives yeah. me it gives me a defensive edge. Like, yeah. If, if, you, if you can limit the shifts either per game or per inning that would be ideal because I feel like, yes, I get from the competition aspect, I understand, but for an even playing skill, I think it would be more easier where if you're playing straight up, then I think you're, you get to see what makes baseball truly great is because if you're shifting everywhere and we, and, and us Yankee fans know that every time we see Aaron judge or Giancarlo standing up and they're shifting to the right, we're like, God damn it, they're going to hit into the shift. And what happens, guys? They're 95% of the, the time? We're yeah. hit, un, un, unless it's a bomb, they're yep. hitting into the shift. And we're like, damn it, unless it's DJ LeMay, because at least DJ can hit, can hit against the shift. But we don't have contact hitters. We don't yeah. have contact. And not just in our team. There's not many contact hitters in the sport. They're you kind of a few of a dying breed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing is, well, how much time does it take for them to keep moving all these players around? They want to talk about, you know, shrinking the side, the, the length of game. Don't worry about how many, you know, the managers bring in the pitches because this pitcher might, own, you know, well, I'm going to say, you know, Snell gets Judge out 100% of the time, right? Now, Judge is on, on deck. Snell is ready to go, but... You know, uh, the pitcher only had only faced two batters right now. Meanwhile, Judge has hit 100% of his pitches. So now the man just like, I'm screwed. You know, so now you're, you're expect, extending the inning, extending the game. But how many times, I, I want to know how much time it takes for them to shift all these players around and, you know, maybe take away some of these other stupid rules and put that into play. Yeah. I agree. It's just it's they've taken it too far, and when you take things too far, people start paying attention. Right. Yep. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right. Well, that's going to wrap this up for us today, guys. I want to thank you, James. Thank you for joining us today. We greatly appreciate. It. We hope to see you again soon. No problem. And on behalf of Rob, Evan, and myself, and everybody at YankeeChronicles.com, we want to wish everybody a good week, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.